Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Well, Happy New Year and welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-host, Anastasia. And Mercury went direct yesterday, so the things that affected will start improving, and then it'll be completely straightened out in two or three weeks. So um, keep that in mind. You can look up more about Mercury Retrograde online if you don't know about it. Our special guest this evening is Eileen Martyr Merman, who has met and worked with hundreds of professional women and men over the past 45 years as a psychotherapist and a healing teacher. Many of them have struggled with not knowing how to fully express their authentic selves and live life on their own terms. If you feel, excuse me, if you feel that there is more to life than what you are experiencing but just don't know what it is or how to feel connected to yourself and others in an honest way, this book is for you. You might begin, as Eileen did, by questioning everything and turning your beliefs on their head and inside out, by being honest with yourself and developing a real and truthful relationship with all your inner parts, you can begin to transform. The paths may include such things as vision quests, gurus, psychotherapy, energy healing, creativity, plant medicine, and more. Each experience will teach you something about yourself and about the world. Each will be a portal into your truest self. Her number one bestseller, How I Think I Should Be, is BS. From Hiddenness to Open-Hearted may be the gateway that allows your broken parts to be touched and held. It will give your shattered parts a place inside your mind, body, and spirit. By being present with your own open heart, you will be able to inhabit your true home. And you can check out her website, which is Eileen Martyr, M-A-R-D-E-R, Merman, M-I-R-M-A-N.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News bringing topics of interest and hope to star seeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy, Jada, and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. And if you are an experienced astrologer and are ready to learn advanced starseed astrology, please email me, ariel at starseedhotline.com. And that is our main website, starseedhotline.com, where the Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session. We also have a new daily transit service to help you navigate your life and mission with greater success, even if you know little or nothing about astrology. And remember, if, you're, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of great manifestation power, and you can find out exactly when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. 
and uh, a week or two before your birthday would be fine for that. But if you want a reading of that chart, you'll need to do it about two months before your birthday. So first up this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful Starseed News. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Happy New Year 2024. Hi. Great to be with you. Hi. So oh, it happy seems like to I haven't talked, to you, haven't talked to you since last year. <laughs> it has been a whole year, isn't that sure, something? It's been way too long. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. Thankfully, this is the time of the year we can make jokes about that. Normally, people that I love, I don't want to have to go a whole year without seeing them. This one time, I can joke right. about it, though. Yeah. It's only been a short time, but it's been a year. Yeah. Well, listen, we have some news to share with you. There is a, a meteor shower called the Quadrandids. That's hard to say. Quadrandids. Quadrandids. Spelled Q-U-A-D-R-A-N-T-I-D-S. I'm not going to put you on the spot, Ariel, but have you heard of that one, or do you know how to say it? Because it's hard to say. Just wondering. It, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Quadrantis. So yeah. yeah, you did better than I did. Good job. Well, anyway. Well, it's just uh, quadrant with the nids on the end. Hey, that's a good qua- That's good. That'll work. Well, we're going to have one of those right now. <laughs> We can get a nice view of a meteor shower right now because we're just in luck. Now, every year from about the 1st to the 5th of January, uh, this meteor shower arrives, and there are going to be some visible meteor activity every night during this window, uh, especially through the night of January 3rd and the early, early hours of January 4th. Are, they're saying it's going to be our best bet. They say the meteors will seemingly be everywhere above our heads. We just need to lean back, keep warm, and let our eyes get used to the dark. And just keep watching. Keep this looking. is Lavendar bringing you Atlantis material. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How did that okay. happen? This is June 20, I don't know. 1983. Colorado I have Spring, no idea Subject? why that is Atlantis material. Doing, okay. Do you have any Hang help on, on the switchboard? Yeah. Well, I told you Mercury just went direct. I know. But it's, 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 it's been less you than 24 hours. Yeah. And all of my audio files are, are like, playing simultaneously. Well, I'm sorry. That's going to create a problem. Are they doing yeah, that well, let right me just, now? I'm turning all the volumes down and off. Okay. Wow. wow. That, is, that is bizarre. That's weird. Well, I had trouble getting on here tonight, actually. I had difficulty with my line. So and I thought, man, the Mercury retrograde is supposed to be—it's still acting up. So here, I had trouble too. So yeah, it's, it's well, it does take—it's kicking after even after it goes direct, it still takes a couple of weeks for it to stabilize. Oh, I, I it's just so lovely it's to still hear. a little <laughs> just be still a little wonky. Yeah, it is wonky. I've been having troubles. Okay, well, anyway, so uh, the meteors are out there. Let's go take a look at them. It should be fun. I've always liked to wish upon the stars. If you do go out and look at the meteors, make your wishes. That works, by the way. It does, for the most part. Well, uh, we are in 2024, and there is such a thing now as an autonomous diner. At least there will be. They're opening a prototype at the new Cali Express in Pasadena, California. Opening soon, we can order on a screen and then watch the robots as they fry our hamburgers and fry our French fries and serve it up to us without a single human hand having to drag itself out of bed 
and a human face that has to pretend to be happy to see you. There will be no humans working on our food. It's the robo-restaurant of the future, a transaction that will proceed from soup to nuts without any personal interaction whatsoever. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, that's that's <laughs> kind of creepy. Robot arm. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's kind of creepy. Sarcasm there in my voice. That's just creepy. Yeah. Flippy robot arms on rails will scurry from station to station. They have a video of that. It is really something to see. These flippy robot arms will fill the fry baskets, shaking and banging them as they lower them into the oil. And it all ends with a conspicuously non-autonomous-looking pair of gloved human hands, in other words, a particularly realistic robot, that will be actually putting the burger in a box as the transaction comes to a close at the world's first fully autonomous AI-powered restaurant. So artificial intelligence will make your hamburgers in the future. Uh, so there. If you're, you know, a vegan, it doesn't matter. But just that I pass that along, that's that's very strange. We're going to see a lot more of that. I mean, I, I can't imagine. I hope not. Years, you know, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? And that's what they want. Well, this is really good news for anybody who's familiar but with MRSA. MRSA, the bacterial infection from Staphylococcus aureus. Uh, there's now finally a new class of antibiotics for this drug-resistant strain of bacteria. And this has been discovered again using deep learning models. Now, we have not been using AI for very long at all. And already, look at what's happening. It is the use of artificial intelligence now that is proving to be a game changer in medicine, developing technology that helps scientists to unlock the first new antibiotics to be discovered in 60 years. The discovery of this new compound that can kill a drug-resistant bacterium that kills thousands of people worldwide every year can be proved to be a turning point in the fight against antibiotic resistance. Wow. Man. Well, Give I'll, reserve my, I'll yeah. reserve my right. comment. I'll reserve my comment. It's, it's uh, boy, I tell you what, fasten your seatbelts. Okay, from the Our Dumb Criminal Department, I've got a few funny stories for you. Two robbers who nicked a pricey kitchen, kitchen appliances store, or who, they nicked, excuse me, they nicked pricey kitchen appliances from a department store, argued in court that the charges against them should be reduced because, quote, some of the items they stole were discounted. <laughs> the district attorney's <laughs> office said that the value of the items stolen from the Kohl's store totted up to $2,095, which under state law classifies the theft as a Class A felony. But the thieves' lawyers tried to convince a jury that the on-sale items lowered the tally to less than $2,000, below the thefts uh, that, qual- that would make these thefts qualify as a misdemeanor. Well, how did this end up? Well, the jury disagreed. <laughs> the jury uh, went ahead and uh, charged them uh, under a felony. But there it goes. So hey, I didn't. Hey, they weren't. They didn't cost that much. So I, I can't. You can't prosecute me on a felony. I didn't. It, it was cheaper than that. And you can't make this up. Three gun-wielding masked bandits allegedly robbed a Colorado business who got a taste of their own medicine when their getaway car was stolen before they could escape their robbery. Of course, they were swiftly captured. And after the raid, the police reported to media that the car the robbers planned to use to get away, well, it was stolen before it got stolen from the robbers. 
<laughs> oh, wow, talk about instant karma. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, wow, that's just not destined to work out. That didn't work out well. That All right. So, rather humorous. All right. Well, this is very interesting. This is something to just make you scratch your head. It feels really wonderful, mind you, but at the same time, it's like, gosh, is this world changing? Well, we're all used to street signs. Every street has them. They're in a, they're in a suburb, you know, civilization. Now, cities in the United States, including Cambridge, are adding Native American translations to street signs to promote Native American language and awareness of the tribes. This initiative is part of a broader nationwide effort with at least six states, including Iowa, New York, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, that are adopting similar practices to raise awareness about Native American communities, to revive Native American languages, and to highlight tribal sovereignty. Now, there was a photograph of one of these signs in Massachusetts with a street name on it, and the Native American translation above that, which, wow, you know, if you're not used to that, very hard to pronounce, it makes you look once and look twice and look again. Uh, we might have to get used to that, but very interesting. Just an interesting turn of events. Um, wow. Okay, let's talk about reindeer. I know Christmas is over, but hey, it's winter. And reindeer are kind of the, well, you know, they do take Santa's sleigh, and so it's the rain, reindeer season. And um, scientists have now discovered that reindeer are able to eat and sleep at the same time. Wow, that's terrific. Think of all the work you could get done while you're eating. (laughs) Reindeer uh, graze incessantly during the short northern summer. They eat all the time, all the time, just as much as they can. They try to store up fat reserves for the cold, dark months when both sunlight and food will be in extremely short supply. Now, they happen to eat lichen, uh, which is kind of a moss, a dry moss that no, no other animals really eat, and they forage with that. And they happen to have eyes that see outside of the visible spectrum of light. They see infrared. And this lichen absorbs sunlight, um, infrared from sunlight, and then reflects it back. Normal eyes can't see it, but the reindeer can see it. It it glows purple. So they can find their their moss all winter long. And that's how they stay alive when other animals uh, go without food. But they eat just constantly. They live to eat. That's all they do. Well, um, they were wondering, scientists that have been studying them say these reindeer never sleep. They never sleep. They eat costly. How, how are they sleeping? So neuroscientists at the University of Zurich suspected that reindeer might just simply sleep less uh, and then catch up on their, on their sleep during the winter. But that's not what they found. Instead, they found that reindeer sleep the same amount through the whole year, even when they have to focus on eating the most in the warm months. They said, uh, we found that they can ruminate chew their cud, and sleep at the same time. They also found that the more time the reindeer spent ruminating, the more rested they were. EEG brainwave recordings revealed the reason why. When the reindeer are ruminating, their brainwaves resemble those during non-rapid eye movement sleep, REM sleep, because they seem to enjoy the benefits of such sleep while serenely chewing their cud the animals are deeply rested after eating. That's just amazing. Yeah. Mother Nature hey, is just unbelievable. Isn't it incredible? It's incredible. Yeah. It is. 
just astonishing. Makes it wonderful to be alive, all the nice things we learn. Just a mystery everywhere to uncover. Well, there was a, a bad tornado um, in Tennessee, and the baby was snatched away. Uh, it seemed that all hope was lost, but at Miracles Canyon, they do happen, by the way. And this family had a four-month-old baby that survived the tornado in the most extraordinary circumstances. And the story gets very interesting because the baby's name is Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Now, Lord was inside his bassinet when a tornado ripped through the roof of his parents' house in Tennessee. It was a mobile home. It picked up the baby in the bassinet. The tip of the tornado came down and picked up the bassinet with my baby, Lord, in it, said the mother. He was the first thing to go up. Well, once the tornado passed, they were able to escape the rubble and the surrounding scene of absolute devastation. Of course, they naturally started looking for Lord immediately, terrified of what, what, what probably happened to him. And while searching through the records, wreckage, they feared the worst. But then, weirdly enough, they spotted a most familiar sight. The bassinet was up in a tree. And inside was baby Lord with only minor cuts and bruises. Oh. <laughs> she said, we are told that he looked like he was placed on the tree gently. Rescuers got the baby out. Like an angel guided him safely to that spot. Oh. Once the family was reunited, it came time to make sense of their surroundings. And here it was. Their house and their car were gone. They lost everything. While the mom and her children only had minor injuries... The dad had a broken arm and shoulder. So to get them on their feet again, along with baby Lord, a GoFundMe campaign was launched by the sister of the family, and happily, they just met their goal of raising $100,000 with contributions from over 2,000 people. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. The baby in a bassinet. Wow. There was a picture of him on the Internet, and he looked all right. You could see he had a few scratches on his face, but he was otherwise... Pretty fine. Incredible. Well, I don't know if you all know this, but January is National Thank You Month. And so, whether it was National Thank You Month or not, uh, I think it's a good thing to think about gratitude for lots of reasons. So I'm going to go with that, and I'm going to report to you that it is National Thank You Month and suggest that uh, at the beginning of this year, throughout the year, we think about spreading goodwill and kindness to others because that carries plenty of benefits for both our mental and physical well-being. In a world like this, we need all that we can get. According to Mayo Clinic, they've done studies on this kind of stuff, amazingly. They tell us that when we feel and express gratitude, we may enjoy improvement in our sleep, in our mood, and in our immunity, as well as a reduction in depression, anxiety, pain, and the risk of overall disease. Research supposedly substantiates that actions conveying gratitude have a greater impact on our health than simply feeling grateful. Now think about that for a second. Feeling grateful is one thing, but acting on it, acting on our gratitude, now that's where the payback comes. Extending acts of gratitude creates a feedback loop. The more you practice thankfulness, the more your well-being and resistance to negativity will increase, making it easier to sustain feelings of gratitude. And while smiling and saying thank you are tried and true gestures and always perfectly lovely, 
there are a few ways to show you're thankful. In other words, go out of your way a little bit. Now, everybody out there, brace yourselves. This is so old-fashioned. But send a handwritten thank you note. You know, yeah, you could send a text or an email. But when you put your pen to paper, when you bother to find a stamp and put it in the mail, a note of gratitude to somebody that shows that they're important to you and worth the extra effort. Plus, it's fun for people to receive snail mail because nobody does it anymore. It can be cheerful and colorful, and everybody knows it's very thoughtful in this day and age. So it's a good idea. It's a way of give a give back, and it will make you feel good and make the person that you're thanking feel wonderful. Now, the other way that we can show we're thankful is we need to get specific. Instead of just saying, I appreciate everything you do, which is very nice, by the way. I think it's very important to say that. But they tell us that it's important to be specific when we compliment someone or thank them. I mean, when showing gratitude, we can use general phrases like thanks for your help. But one of the best ways to show gratitude is to acknowledge how somebody has specifically helped us succeed. We should risk resist the temptation to be too general. It's, you know, easier and maybe it's a little less awkward for us, but there's no reason to feel awkward at all for sharing with somebody something specific they've done or some in some special way they mean something to you. And if you don't know, if you give it a little thought, I'm sure you will come up with ways that you just don't even realize that we take them for granted, but ways specific ways that people mean a great deal to us. So we need to share a specific example of what they did for you and how it made a difference. When you take that approach, you're giving the care, the time, and effort in return in a way that someone's extended to you and really shows you your appreciation for them as a person. You can give your thank you with a simple gift. It doesn't have to be expensive. A small token, uh, something that's well thought out and personalized, can be a tangible way to show somebody how much they mean to you. Maybe a bag of M&M's, a plate of cookies, maybe a flower, maybe a new coffee mug, anything, just something to show the gratitude. And they tell us, believe it or not, that we ought to keep a gratitude journal. Now, gratitude journals are a mainstay in thankfulness practices because they tell us they work. But if we develop a ritual, perhaps with our morning cup of coffee or before going to bed, in which we write down things that we're grateful for, whether it's people, things, pets, or special moments, it is associated with better sleep, lower stress, and improved relationships, for sure improved relationships. And beyond leading to a more positive mindset, gratitude journaling has been linked to significant drop in blood pressure, according to the UCAL, UCLA Health Department, Health uh, Services. So there you have that. And it says also, be sure to show yourself appreciation. You've heard the old saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. But in this day and age, it's very easy for our cups to run empty. Life takes a lot out of us, and that could affect our relationships for sure. So experts tell us to first practice appreciation to ourselves, starting with ourselves, and then make it a priority to notice what we are doing right and what other people are doing right. You know, what can you feel proud of yourself today for? Um it's just wonderful sometimes to pat yourself on the back because maybe you remembered something that you normally forget or uh, any of the number many things that you do that are clever that make life easier for someone else that, I mean, come on, guys, you are all very special 
and you all do things that you can be proud of every single day. So recognize that. And uh, that's going to help you um, buoy buoy yourself up as well as help other people um, because you've got something to give. You're keeping yourself full. All right. We're just about done here, but I want to tell you what's coming up in 2024. Uh, Of course, uh, right up the top is that we're going to get an extra day. 2024 is a bonus day because February 29th is a leap year. This, uh, 2024 is a leap year. Leap years take place every four years, and that keeps our calendar aligned with the astronomical seasons. Now, as you all know, the Gregorian calendar includes 365 days, but a year of Earth's orbit around the sun takes approximately six, uh, 365.25 days. So they developed leap years to even out the difference. So this is a leap year. We're going to have February 29th this year. And NASA this year is going to get a a step closer to the moon. The uncrewed Artemis mission was successfully completed in 2022 and in this year. NASA's goal to put humans back on the moon is moving another step forward. The highly anticipated crewed Artemis II mission will take off in November and fly around the moon then they are expected to demonstrate that its systems operate as intended in deep space with a crew aboard. This will be the trial run that will pave the way for Artemis III next year in 2025 when humans will step foot on the moon for the first time in over 50 years. So a significant step for NASA this year. And Mickey Mouse has entered the public domain, uh, sort of. Most of you have probably heard of this on the mainstream news. It's been pretty hot news everywhere. But uh, the U.S. laws grant copyright protection for 95 years, and the earliest iteration of Mickey Mouse was introduced to the world in 1928 in a short, uh, little short uh, cartoon called Steamboat Willie. And so they entered the public domain right now in 2024. Everybody's one waiting for this. And legally, this means that anybody can, in theory, copy and reproduce the 1928 vision, version of Mickey Mouse without permission. But it's by no means open season on Mickey Mouse, particularly given the ferocity with which Disney is known to protect its intellectual property. So it's important to note that any later versions of the famous Mickey are still protected by copyright. So if you sketch him, if you use computer graphics, whatever you do with Mickey in public domain, do not give him gloves and don't put shorts on him. (laughs) You don't want to make it look like Disney's Mickey today. Uh, Take my advice. All right. Also, this year, we're going to have a total solar eclipse. comes around in April 8th. The moon will block the sun. It will darken the skies of Mexico, United States, and Canada. Should you wish to see, don't forget to use the special eclipse glasses uh, or a telescope filter. And once you have the safety measures taken care of, it's going to be a spectacle. That's going to be important. And finally, an international agreement to end plastic pollution will come to fruition in this year. It was a historic resolution launched by the United Nations Environment Assembly to end plastic pollution. It's to be finalized in this year. Uh, Work began in 2022. They say that plastic pollution has grown into an epidemic. With today's resolution, we're on track for a cure. So they're going to go after it. And that is a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing. Notre Dame is opening to the public. For those of you who are interested in the cathedral, In 2019, a fire broke out in the iconic Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, destroyed a lot of it, but now it's reconstructed, 
and it is going to be opened in December of this year, 2024. So that's a big deal. All right. That's a lot of stuff. I need to quit talking. Let the guests come on. See what happens okay. when you pin me up for a long time and I don't get to talk to you. You can't shut me up. All right. From my heart to each one of you, I love you all. Have a very beautiful new year. This is going to be a good year to be alive. A lot of good things to accomplish. A lot of good energy to bring forth. Have a great couple of weeks, and I'll see you all next time. Thank you, Arielle. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks so much, Anastasia. Good job. Okay. All right. So uh, let me get your mic open, Eileen. I'm just trying. Oh, here you are. Hello, Eileen. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Nice to be here. Uh, Well, I am am really, I loved your book and um, amazing um, things that I read about that it's like, oh, well, that happened to me too. I mean, a lot of parallels. So, and I would imagine oh, that that um, uh, probably the more people you talk to, the more you realize that a lot of us go through the same stuff and thinking that it's you know it's just me. There's something about me that's right. weird, and that's why I'm the only one going through this. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, you're not. And uh, and that that can also be really. Uh, important for people to realize that there is uh you know there's connection and and community available but um as i was um uh, looking uh reading your book I, I especially wanted to talk about a few different of of the of the chapters and since um anastasia was just talking about gratitude and that's one right. of the chapters that you write about. I'm thinking that's a good place to yeah. start. So yeah, um, I was thinking of that too when she was saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So explain like what, how you perceive gratitude and how it can uh, be a key. Gratitude, my personal experience with gratitude is that it literally can change my energy from being low to being what it should be, let's say, for the day. So let's say I'm upset about something or I'm in a funk or I'd rather not do whatever I had planned for the day. When I remember gratitude... When I remember to wake up, because it's almost like I'm asleep, and then I wake up through practicing acts of gratitude. So um, just simply remembering I'm grateful that I'm alive today. I'm grateful for my home, even if it's imperfect, even if my day is imperfect. I I feel the gratitude for what is, where I am, who I'm with, and um, life itself. And truly, it has changed my energy into being in a better place. Now, when I'm in a good place, sometimes I still practice the gratitude. I don't write in a journal. But what I do, it was interesting to hear what Anastasia had to say about gratitude journal at night. I often practice gratitude in the morning 
So I'm grateful for the morning. I'm grateful for the sunrise. I often get up at the sunrise and sometimes I try to go back to sleep um, because in our apartment, I could see over, I'm in New York City, I could see over the East River and I could see the sun slowly rising. And, you know, in the winter, it's a different kind of sunrise than in the summer, um, brings a certain type of pleasure into my being and a reminder that I truly, truly, truly am grateful for this day. That's always a good way to start. It's a good way to start the day and, and, you know, even throughout the day. But um, I, I want to kind of like back up a little bit because the the overall premise and and uh, objective of your book, which is written kind of as a as a memoir of things that you've mm-hmm. personally experienced, and the the objective was to get out from under all of the BS that people in society would tell you, you you know, this is how you should be and this is what you mm-hmm. should do. And and it, it really does um, offer a lot of uh, emotional unrest for people. And especially our audience is, um, as I said before, very, very spiritually awake, um, starseeds who pretty much don't feel like they fit in in the first place because mm-hmm. they have they have abilities and and the, like the intuition you talked about in your book mm-hmm. and how you just you just you just know things and yep. um and and a lot of people like you um who are star seeds have been taught that don't tell don't pe- don't tell people that you see stuff or that you can you know we've had other guests it's like well, I could see I could see dead people and their parents are like don't ever tell anybody that you can do that and it's right there it's like right. it's it's something to be um you know ashamed of or or right. know, to and be to keep hidden. quiet yeah and all yeah. those parts of yourself that go somewhere so your book is dealing with helping people to um you know basically you know clean out the basement you yeah. know and the attic and and all of the yeah. things that have been that you know uh, uh programmed that's mm-hmm. you know what I what I what I also would think of as bs so and back yep. to the gra- back to the the gratitude um mm-hmm. uh, uh yeah i mean it, it's it's probably the easiest and yet sometimes the most challenging for people to do um, because uh, uh, you get so caught up in in the way it all is, and sometimes it's hard. Yeah. To, it's hard to see. So how? I mean, you were at a place like that at one point. How did you break through? So you know, years and years and years ago. <laughs> Louise Hay had uh, a tape I would listen to about thanking everything in the house, you know, thanking the refrigerator and thanking the sink and thanking the water that comes in. And I was at a place where I said, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, what am I going to get from thanking 
the refrigerator and thanking the water coming into the house and thanking the pipes and so on. And then I realized, oh, well, it really is something to be grateful for that I am able to be at a place in my life where I can have a refrigerator, where I could have running water. You know, so it helped me as I was waking up to the truth about who I was and what life is, I was able to see that, you know, she was touching on something so primal that I was taking for granted. Oh, you know, like, what's the big deal about a refrigerator? Well, you know what? It's a big deal. Not everybody in this world has electricity. Not everybody has the capacity to have food stored for them. Not everybody has running water. Not everybody has pipes. So to really be in relationship with the truth that I am grateful for the little things, for the simple things, as well as the bigger things. And that made a huge difference in my life. Sure. You know, I, 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 I do a very, very similar, similar thing. You know, it's like I am... Uh, if I was like, oh, man, i got to walk all the way, you know, around the block, immediately it's mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. Be grateful that you have feet and legs and you can do that, yep. you know. So right. it, it, it really helps to, to shift your perspective, you know, when you kind of get, you know, all caught up in the uh, uh, the, way, <laughs> the way it all is. But yeah, 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 yeah. Looking, I mean, for you, looking at the sunrise and and being grateful for every tiny little thing, it really does shift the energy in your life. And um, so, and that applies to people as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, what I found was that it's not always about loving everybody or liking everybody. It's about having gratitude that I had this moment in time and maybe I could learn something from it. Or somehow maybe it was a gift even though it feels like hell or with certain people or certain situations. Um, But it was like a whole shift in consciousness for me to appreciate the most simple of things and to know that, you know, everything here doesn't necessarily have a reason, but it's here. So I could take it into my heart. I could open myself and say, hmm, wow, I really appreciate that, that color blue over there. It's very warming. And the light over there and the orchid over there and one of my kitties sitting on the chair over there. Each thing and little being um, just helps me feel more whole and in relationship with life itself. And I think in the past I wasn't so, I thought I was, but I wasn't so in relationship with life itself. I was in relationship with I with what I thought should be the way it is, and 
that's a bunch of BS because life is the way it is, whether I like it or not. It doesn't mean I can't speak out and take action about different things to, uh, to try to have a voice, to try to make change, to try to wake people up. But this is what it is, and I take it seriously. Yeah, well, for the for people, you know, who, I mean, it, it seems to me, you know, from, from reading your book that, I mean, you were on a quest for truth since mm-hmm. since you took your first breath. Yeah, forever. And, you yep. know, yeah, yeah, and I mean, and people and things and situations like, oh, here, here's here's the truth. But yet, you you know, you, mm-hmm. we still have to look at that and say, well, truth is relative. It might be true for you, but that's not my truth. Right. You know, so... Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, having have a having a relationship with your own personal truth, it seems to be what mm-hmm. you um, what you have strived for, and and mm-hmm. described mm-hmm. very very well in your book. So no, thank another you. <laughs> welcome. Another thing um, is the the chapter that you have with nourishment. I thought mm-hmm. that I thought that was so profound, and um, because I I don't know if it's it's societal, it's um, you know organized religion, but you know you're not supposed to think of yourself. You're only supposed to think about other people, and right. uh, and that is that <laughs> that's insidious programming people like that. So would you would you you know want to give us your experience with that uh, exposure to and and really understanding what true nourishment is? So is it okay if I read a little bit from the beginning of that oh, chapter? Absolutely. So okay, so this is how I started the chapter. The flight attendant instructed us to put the oxygen mask on first before we put it on our child or someone else in need. I had heard this hundreds of times before, but I never really listened and received the message. This time, I heard what I was being told. It was quite simple and profound. This meant that I must put the oxygen mask on first before putting it on my child. I was shocked. What? Me first? I thought the baby was supposed to come first. Any good parent will want to have their child get oxygen as soon as possible. What? 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 Nope. (laughs) That wasn't the truth. I was living in a fantasy and a lie. The truth is just the opposite. Take care of yourself, then take care of the child. So that was really, really a wake-up moment for me. Um, Probably... So I became a mom when I was 29. So probably when I was about 30, I had that experience. And I really, I really thought that if I took care of myself first, that I was selfish and that I really wouldn't be able to help others. And then that was so monumental because I was a therapist already. I had um, graduated graduate school, I think I was 22 years old, 
I was working here in the city. I had this great job and working with people and helping people. But there was a way that I was always sitting on the ed- I was literally sitting on the edge of my chair thinking that if I tried to merge with the other person, then I could really figure out what they needed instead of sitting back in my chair, which I could do now for many years at this point, thankfully, and just receive and be in relationship with where I am and really open up to where the other person is. And nourishment is key, and it doesn't even have to be expensive. I think it's more expensive if we don't nourish ourselves and take care of ourselves. And we have to know the difference between nourishment and selfishness, right? Selfishness is doing everything for the self and nothing for others. But if we do things, you know, like little acts of kindness toward the self makes, makes a world of the difference. Yeah. And it's, it's a self nurturing. Yeah. And yeah. And certainly, you know, if you're, if you're limping, and 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 you got a you know sprained arm, you're not that much mm-hmm. help to other people. So you know, That's go right. ahead and and you know, rest your foot and and brace your arm, and then you you know you're better equipped. So yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. uh, self nurturing is imperative. It really is. It really is. And people do get confused. I mean, I was confused. You know about selfishness for forever until that moment until literally I was probably on an air, an Eastern airplane, Eastern airline plane at that point going down to Florida to visit. I think my grandparents were still alive at the time. So, you know, with the baby, so just changed my life, which was good because I was always praying to wake up. I was always praying to be in relationship with the truth of life which included my personal truth and then waking up to the larger truths about life. Like there's always imperfection. There's always change. Nothing stays the same and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When, I mean, when you think about it, if you, if you take the time to nourish yourself, you can give better service to others than if you try to do mm-hmm. that when you're, you know, half incapacitated, and that—that's your, you know, your energy. Even you know, taking care of your your mood, and that's for me. That's where Absolutely. the gratitude comes in. You know, yeah. if I start feeling a little salty and testy, and maybe a little cranky, that's when I just yep. immediately look at all you have to be grateful for, and it it shifts immediately. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, that's so important. Um, another chapter that I, I, I wanted to uh, kind of have you expound upon um, was interesting, uh, your experience with gurus. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, cause I saw that chapter so. and I thought, oh, <laughs> I hope she goes uh-huh. this way with that. And sure enough, you did. So uh-huh. can you kind of give uh-huh. us a... a a brief overview of what, because a lot of people are looking for someone to, to be their leader. Yeah. Yeah. So 
in addition to thinking that um, I had to take care of others first, I thought that the wisdom was in someone else and I needed to get that wisdom from some wise being. So in the <coughs> excuse me, early 70s, early 1970s, there was a lot going on here in the States with like the whole guru movement. Um, I mean, Yogananda was here before that. Um, so reading books like Yogananda's book, can't even remember the whole title of the book, um, but anyway, really good book. Um, reading the book on Black Elk, reading all these different books, I was trying to ex- from these holy beings. And then I tried out different gurus. So I was pretty involved in uh, yoga, yoga that was uh, more than just going to a class that was with asanas or the physical postures, more than the breathing, like the pranayam, more than that, more than the chanting. It was going to an ashram. This particular one that I was involved with was down in Pennsylvania for a very long time. And um, wanting to get the wisdom of this beautiful, I'm going to say unholy, person um, who was so charismatic and seemed so wise um, from India. And I was just taken, taken by it. And um, there's a thing in, I know a lot of your listeners will know about this, but some might not. So there's this thing called initiation And I kept um, getting the forms to be initiated into the, um, I guess, the lineage of that guru. And every time I filled out the application, um, I realized I I never finished. I never completed the application. And um, I didn't know why. I just didn't and I kept wanting to fill it out and there was a young I was a young woman and there was a young man there that I just adored and he was already initiated living at the ashram and I wanted to maybe do that and then I just couldn't do it and then years later what came out was that there was um, sexual impropriety going on at the ashram with the guru And that was a common thing going on in a lot of ashrams. Um, I'm sure not all of them, but many of them. And there were difficulties. I I list somewhere in in that chapter about um, that there was this thing that was going on. But after that, I said the information had to come from someone else. And that doesn't mean that we don't want to have a teacher. Like the Buddha said, in order to uh, reach self-realization, we need to have a community, we need to have a teacher, we need to have the teachings, the, the Dharma, and those three things. That, those are the most important things I could think of. And it was hard for me to give up, to surrender to a teacher, yet I kept looking for different teachers. And I found a teacher that I've studied with now for about, I think, almost 30 years. 
and um, I'm a teacher of his work, but he didn't demand things. Um, it, it's not an ashram. He didn't demand things of me. But between the guru and the spiritual teacher that I work with now, I went, I had Buddhist teachers. I tried a female Buddhist teacher. I thought, oh, that would be good because female. And then I try, I, I studied with uh, Louise Hay. And then I studied with all these different, all these different um, uh, gurus. And finally I stopped and even though my teacher, his name is Jason Shulman, has a lot of wisdom, I know that I need to receive from me, from my higher wisdom, and not make it somebody else's. And there's, there's a story in, in many lineages about, you know, a really good teacher is somebody that teaches you, guides you, supports you to become yourself, to have more of who you are, and not who you think somebody else wants you to be. Right. Right. And that that is so important and there's a lot of people especially when they first start, you know, waking up having that, you know, yeah. realization. I mean it's, it's just kind of natural to believe that well, I've got to go you know, find out more about this, but that you know, we all came with everything we need in our own, you know, higher being. One of the one of the quotes um in one of the chapters I don't remember which one was that we we carry the trauma of our ancestors mm-hmm. but yes. that also means we carry the wisdom of our ancestors yes. and I thought that was so profound. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. if we want to talk a little bit about, you know, what what people carry uh, from, you know, yeah. ancestral genetic. I mean, it's stored in the in the in the genes. Can you talk mm-hmm. about that kind of trauma and and how you dealt with it. Yeah. So um, the, they call it either transgenerational or intergenerational trauma. So you know, the lack of consciousness of, say, going back couple of generations back gets passed down in the in the in the genetics they've literally located it in the genes but it's also in the energy field so it's passed down from say mother to daughter to daughter to daughter to daughter to daughter father to daughter and so on keeps getting passed down and at some point we don't realize that we're functioning like sort of robots. It's funny that she was talking about robots earlier. I don't know. That sounds (laughs) weird. A restaurant with robots, but it made me think of the Jetsons. But, um, (laughs) you know, we, we, we function like robots and, um, you know, not, we're, we're not vital. We're not alive. We're not, um, uh, really being in touch with who we are, where we are, and the next step that we want to take or the next movement we want to make, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so working with that and waking up to our story of our history and who our ancestors were, and then, of course, if you believe in past lives, I could say that here, you know, you want to wake up to that also. 
And if you don't believe in past lives, there's tons and tons and tons of research that's been done on past lives with children. You must, there's um, a little um, one, like a one hour segment on Netflix about it. But um, the University of West Virginia, I believe, has done tons, and they're a very straight school, university, done Mm -hmm. tons and tons of research. It's really remarkable. So we want to wake up to as much as we can. We're not going to know everything, but we want to wake up to it. We don't want a psychic to say, oh, this is your past life. That's your past life, because maybe it's true, maybe it's not. We want, to, we want to know what it is. So when we wake up to our stories or our story and how it's affecting us, what I realized is those generations also survived so much. I mean, the fact that here we are in 2024 is sort of a miracle, considering all the famine in the world forever and, and the, the difficulties in the world forever and all the, all the, um, the moving that people had to do to find better life, like coming to the United States and taking over the land from the natives was in an attempt to have a better life, but thank goodness they're doing something better for Native people now. Um, Probably not fast enough, but at least they're doing something. So um, what's really important is to acknowledge the story, acknowledge where we're coming from, and also to acknowledge that they survived and there was a strength. Just imagine all our families, whenever your families came over from Europe or, um, or Asian countries or the Indian, you know, Africa and Indian countries, you know, from uh, the Philippines and so on. On those boats, those boats were not easy. You know, they lived through a lot. A lot of people died on those boats, but, but our families made it somehow. And um, realizing that it's sort of related to the gratitude. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a strength, even if the people were crazy, there's a strength in them, even in their craziness, even in their habitual problems. There's a strength that brought them forward so that we're here today and that was really an awakening for me to realize that right yeah and that kind of fortitude uh, definitely gets handed down um yeah i i i I love watching um uh, on pbs the finding your roots as they Mm -hmm. trace the genealogy of people and the struggles they went through exactly what you're Mm -hmm. saying uh, you know, leaving situations where there was some oppression or um, not enough food, or starvation, you know, and they yeah. somehow summoned up the strength to get in that boat and endure an arduous, torturous journey so that yeah. us as their descendants would have more opportunities and a better life. Yeah. Yeah, so that, I mean, that is, that's a common story for most, most every, every American, except for the, you know, except for the natives, they were here first. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and everyone else, at some point in their, you know, their lineage, they, they, 
they found the strength to come and and start something new. But we have to, uh, don't you think, be aware, honor, and respect that, and honor them by, you know, being our true selves. Yeah. Yeah. And remembering them. Really and remembering, remembering them, them and thanking them. You know, uh, thanking them. Getting getting to the place. You know, I don't think it's about forgiveness. I think it's about gratitude. Thanking them. Because we might not forgive everybody. But for certain <coughs> improprieties and so on. But we could thank them even so. You know, even mm-hmm. so we could say, okay, you know. Um, I don't forgive you for this, this, or this. And I, I deeply appreciate that you did this so that, you know, many generations later I could be here. Right. Right. So um, another thing that, that, that you talked about in your book was um, resistance. And how, I mean, mm-hmm. we all have varying levels in multiple situations like i don't know i just don't want to do that or um how did how did you how did you get through that because part of you wants to do it and the other part of you is doesn't right right well a great example is writing the book so i had wanted to write a book for a very long time and many years ago, the only books about spirituality and psychotherapy were written by men. And I used to get really pissed off. <laughs> and then it's like, it's like, grow up, Eileen, you know, write a book. So I started, I started and I would edit it. And I, you know, I started before you know, we really had computers, like, you know, laptops and all that kind of thing. But so I started writing it on paper. So I was much younger, obviously. And then um, I continued to write and write. And then I was busy with family and busy with work and busy with teaching and busy, 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 busy with nourishing myself. (laughs) And, um, And then when I, when I was, Suddenly, it seemed, in my 60s, let's see, I finished the book when I was, I think I finished the book. Okay, let me think. How old am I now? I'm 69 now. I finished editing the book right before it came out, so I was 68. So I think I finished writing, really, at 67 and then finished editing at 68. The book that I wrote is a very different book being really embodied in more of reality and life and myself, my true self now, than the book I would have written in my 40s, in my late 30s, very different book. And um, I resisted and resisted and resisted even after I started writing it in my 60s. And I said, what's going on? You know, I just wanted to be able to sit down. I have so much experience, so many stories. Let it just flow. And I would sit there and say, I'd rather do 500 different things. And um, I had to really work with um, what I call, I I worked with hypnosis tapes. I worked with um, 
I did some inner work. I did some working with integrating the two sides of the brain. Um, oh, gee, I can't think of uh, some of the some of the things I would listen to to help me integrate into myself more and more and more. And I'd sit in front of the fireplace in the winter and I'd with a fire, and then when it wasn't winter, I would sit in front of the fireplace without a fire, and I'd look outside, and I would spend time being in myself and flowing and not flowing and flowing and not flowing. And then after a while, I said, you know, if I'm feeling resistant, that means I'm not writing now. I, and they all say in, in the writing world, you have to write every day. It's like, I don't want to write every day. I want to do some other things. I want to paint. I want to knit. I want to go here. I want to do this. So, and I got the book done anyway. So the thing that I really loved about my resistance was realizing about people that resist problems. So during World War II, if there weren't all those resistance fighters, we wouldn't be having um as much freedom, even though there's not freedom everywhere, but we wouldn't have as much freedom certainly in the United States, even though things are a little bit wonky right now. Um, but in most places in the United States, we can we experience a lot of freedom to be who we are and to do the kind of work we want to do. And um, that was very revealing because resistance, when we really allow it to be there, I think it has a message for us. It might not be being a freedom fighter, you know, a, a resistance mm-hmm. fighter in World War II, like the French resistance really did wonderful things. Um, but, um, you know, what is it that we're resisting in ourselves and we don't want to know about? That's important to wake up to. I woke up to a lot of that. Waking up to the fact that, um I'm not always loving. I'm not always good. I'm not always uh, doing the best thing. You know, owning that, owning, I just feel like knitting today. I just feel like watching uh, Netflix. <laughs> yeah. I want to I watch Julia on Max or something like that. So um, just allowing that allowed me to have a more natural process and get the book done and I guess it was, I, en- I, I ended up starting this version of it before the pandemic. And then, uh, and then we had the pandemic. Everybody knows about that. And even, even during lockdown, it's like, ugh, I still don't want to write even though I'm locked down. <laughs> so <laughs> I, was in and out, I was in and out of resistance. And I got to really respect it and knew that there was a message in it for me over and over and over again. And what was that message? That there's something, there's like a, a pearl. There, There's a diamond. There's a lotus in it, you know. It's like Thich Nhat Hanh used to say, no mud, no lotus. You know, so I needed to have the resistance and and respect it and honor it in order to have the flow and the love and the joy come through. And also to be able to touch on some of the stories and some of the memories that were not happy ones. Well, that that certainly makes, I mean, that makes sense for anybody 
It's like you, you want to try to try to make sense of some of the you know worst times of your life to help others who might be going through a similar thing. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. and I, I have in the in the clients that I work with, um, we get a lot of this. And one of the one of the things that I did want to ask you, uh, what would you say to women? who are stuck in a job that they dislike, where they're not appreciated, where they're, um, uh, uh, what is the word? You know, they're treated poorly or unfairly or un, mm-hmm. un, uh, unjustly. What would you say to those mm-hmm. women if, if they were your clients? So one of the things I love to explore with people is finding out what it is they're getting from being in a situation like that where they feel uh, minimized and uh, not appreciated and um, not able to use their creativity and really flower or blossom into who they truly are. You know, what is it that you're getting from that? And then we could explore, you know, the roots of that and also explore how they have belief systems that might be keeping those, um, that difficulty in place. You know, we have these patterns that we developed. It, it, they become habits, and we can change them, but we have to wake up to what it is we're doing, what it is we're getting from it, and then by becoming conscious of what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're saying, how we're denying ourselves, and so on, there really could be a shift. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking, um, you know, of a, a particular a client who had been, you know, you do, you go to school. You're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to you can get a good job so you can make, you know, a good income and have a good living, and and they're drawn into the healing arts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're if you're a woman, then maybe you'd be a nurse, or maybe you would go all the way and be, uh, you know, go further, and um, maybe you want to be a doctor. And then, mm. and then they they get into the um, uh, the organized, the 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 regulated parts of the of Western medicine, and realize that it's mm-hmm. not a fit. You know, and then what do mm-hmm. you do? It's like you have problems giving people drugs that you know might hurt them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, what would you what would you say in that case? Well, first, I, I want to have compassion that you know you thought that you were going down the path that was the best path for you. You really did. You know, so you have to really forgive yourself for the fact that you're in a bind now. And also, again, you know, have them connect with their belief system about um, medicine or let's call it um, the medical model and how they're opening up, let's say, to uh, more of a self-actualization kind of self-healing model where you're more of a guide or do kinesthesiology or these other uh, functional medicine kinds of integrations. Um, And 
know, let them know that there are people. I mean, I go to uh, a doc who was trained as an MD in immunology, and the main thing he does now is functional medicine. And um, there are ways to expand what you do, and there are ways to do something different. And how do you want to do that different thing? Do you have to go back to school? Do you want to take courses? Do you want to <laughs> do something completely different? You know, go on a hike somewhere and move to an island up off the coast of Michigan. I mean, like, what is it that you want to do that will set you free? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't change the fact that, that they may indeed have a gift for healing. But if you... Mm-hmm. Uh, if you join the wrong circus, <laughs> you have to find the right the right venue for that for that to be fully realized. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Um, I do want to um, let our listeners know that if you have a question for Eileen um, about any of any of the you know becoming more authentically yourself. Um, you'll need to call in uh, at 917-889-8292 and then uh, press 1 after you're in to let us know that you do want to speak with Eileen. And um, while we are waiting to see about that, uh, is there another, um, another subject or topic in your book that we haven't yet talked about that you would like to cover? Okay, let me open the book. Let's see what happens. Oh, I opened to resistance. So what's next? Intuition. Oh, yes. Good, good, good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so intuition. I believe that we're born intuitive and that it's educated out of us. And I, I believe it's educated out of us for some of the reasons that you mentioned before, Ariel, about, you know, wanting to keep things hidden, not wanting to seem strange, not wanting to feel different, and so on, because you already feel different or alone or a little bit odd, you know, uh, because you're not the typical, uh, I don't know how to say it, I don't know. You're not the typical. You're not eating the typical American diet. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, so, um, so a lot of us. I believe. Again, I believe everybody is born with the with being intuitive, and they've had to learn how to not be, to not see, to not know, to not hear, to not feel you know, it takes different forms. And then when we're ready to not care about the judgments of others, oh, she does that strange stuff. Um, when that's not going to crush you, when you don't care that everybody doesn't like you, like I don't like everybody and everybody's not going to like me, but that took a long time for me to accept that not everybody's going to like me. So once I really own that, I don't like everybody, 
that really made a difference. So I realized that I wanted to unveil my abilities and use them to the best of my ability as a healer instead of keeping them hidden and just used in my little secret society inside of myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it really made a difference. Um, First of all, I freed myself. Talk about freedom. I freed myself to not have to care so much about what others think about me. That doesn't mean I don't want to be, I want to be compassionate. So I don't want to be judgmental and nasty. So I had to work on all these different things. Like how was I judgmental? How was I to this or not enough that um, really taking responsibility for who I am and how I am and um, working with it so that I could be this compassionate human being. And, you know, I still make mistakes here and there and um, being able to apologize. Oh my God, that's a big thing. You know, being able to apologize and saying, you know, Maybe I'm wrong. You know, one of the things I'll say is I'm in a session and I'll say, you know, I I don't know if this is me or this is for you, but I'm getting, I remember many years ago, I had this session where I said, I don't know. I keep thinking about you on a little two wheeler and your hair blowing in the wind. And it opened up a whole, a whole other path in her healing process so for the healers out there as you're opening up your intuition you want to um, know what's yours take ownership of what's yours and then ask questions and and allow yourself to know that you might not be tuning into what the other person what's going on the other person but you just might be right yeah you can't um, dismiss I mean that would be like a you know a gift of of uh, understanding uh coming through intuitively uh yeah i mean you, you you can't dismiss that because you're locking it up and locking it away from yourself, so you have to use it's it really so you true. don't lose it, yeah, yeah, you know it's very interesting. I just had a, a flash to share this. So it was, I don't know how many years ago, Superstorm Sandy was here. I had a client, uh, she was in her mid-50s, she was dying of cancer. And I got to meet her um, children. And um, they were uh, young adult children at the time. And um, I was going to the house and I would meet them a little bit. And I was speaking to one of the children after mom died, before Superstorm Sandy. And I said, I don't know why I'm getting this, but she's saying, I believe she's telling as soon as possible. I'm and sorry, the, your, the phone, child, your, phone, your phone clicked out there. Would you please repeat that? Sure. She, I was, she's saying... So I said your mother is telling me that you should sell the house as soon as possible. And the child, the adult child said, but she said, don't sell the house before she died. I said, I'm just telling you what I'm getting right now. 
and then, and, and to sell it as soon as possible. And then we had Superstorm Sandy, and this area of Long Beach got decimated. And then I said to myself, oh, no wonder why. She knew what was going to happen because she was over on the other side and she was giving this information so the children could sell the house. Now, I don't think they did. And he probably, the adult child probably got freaked out by me. Um, but that was quite an intuition I had before Superstorm Sandy. It would have been nice if I knew that there was Superstorm Sandy coming. But well, yeah, I did have yeah. that information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when it when it comes, you don't always get to um, sculpt it the way you would like it to come. But um, <laughs> right. but that was yeah. I mean that was definitely um, good advice if if they would have taken it. Yeah, it was just weird. But, All of a yeah. sudden, I heard her voice and what they should do, and and that, that was the last time I heard from that um, child of hers, which was fine, you know. I was yeah. just trying to support them through, you know, a horrendous time. So You know what, and, and my, my attitude is even if they don't understand that in this life, there will be a lifetime where they do understand it. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you you put it out there. And you may not get to see that light bulb go off, but it will. Yeah. It will. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever That's read good. any uh, of uh, a, a book by Ruth Montgomery called Here and Hereafter? You know, about reincarnation. Back in the day, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, um, you know, I bought all those books. I would go to Wiser's bookstore over here in the city, and I would buy all or quest books and I would buy all these different um, books. So Ruth Montgomery, I heard of, did I read it? I don't remember. Yeah. Well, it was similar. I was thinking about that when you were talking about the the studies that were done at the university about reincarnation. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I read that book when I was 19 and Mm -hmm. it completely, it's like, of course, of course, this is true. <laughs> you know, it couldn't, you can't deny, you can't deny it. But, you know, right. organized religion would have you think, no, this is your only chance. You better line up and, and you know, and and support the church if you want, you know, because you only get this one chance. <laughs> right, right. If you want to be saved, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. yeah, that's, again, you know, programming of uh, other people telling you how you ought to be and think, but I am just—I'm yeah. just so delighted um, that that our, our paths have crossed here, and this is a wonderful book, very well written, and and I think that there's there's something in there that everybody can relate to. Might not be the same mm-hmm. thing for everybody, you know. I mean, for me, it was right. being a breech birth. <laughs> I was a breech birth, mm-hmm. like you. And, um, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, I have no memory of that, but I I remember the family stories. (laughs) It's like, oh, boy, yeah, I did not want to come out, uh, or at least I wanted to come out feet first. (laughs) So, um, yeah, Yeah, that was, wow, it's like, that that could be me. So, yeah, I I really enjoyed your book, and I want to uh, also... Repeat your website so people can go check out. You've got a lot of 
a lot of interesting things on your website that I think a lot of people might be interested in. So it is Eileen Marder, M-A-R-D-E-R, M Merman, M-I-R-M-A-N, and your book is available at, at major book outlets, including Amazon. Uh, I know I went I went on Amazon and and just you know typed in your name and your book came right up. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah um, yeah. It's a hyphenated uh, name, Marder Merman, M-A-R-D-E-R-M-I-R-M-A-N. And uh, and it's at Barnes & Noble as well as other uh, book outlets. But if you know how to use the Internet, you can find this book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's in places that I never even heard of, like Abe's books. It's I mean, it's in so many places, so. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And any any little indie bookstore could order it also to have if you live in a small town. And a lot of people got it. Actually, when the book first came out, people in Europe received it the day before I received it here in the United States. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your vigilance. I mean, since since you were 18 months old, but you know, um, playing playing in the sandbox by the by the seashore. Um, I mean, you had a very conscious childhood, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, I think a, a lot of a lot of star seeds will be able to relate to your story. Um, and so, I'm recommending your book. Oh, thank How you I so think much. I should be is BS. You know, I mean, you really you write you write from the heart, and it is down to earth. You know, it's it, it's not, you know, you could tell that you know, hey, you know, she went through the same thing that I'm going through, and and look how good she's done, so I can do it too. It's it's kind of that yeah that and inspiring. we need support. We need support on the yeah. We need support on the path. So that's uh-huh. why it's great to belong to a community like this. Um, the community you have because it's really important um, to be able to talk to others who know what you're talking about, you know, so it normalizes right. the the path of awakening and healing and, um, and just being authentic. Right. So, well, that's, and this is fun. I mean, this is fun. Well, yeah. So it, it's so nice to meet you and very nice to speak with you. And thank you so much for the work that you do. You have done and I'm sure continue to do. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you ever come out with a second book, it'll probably be, won't be so many years, I think, because, um, you know, you know now yeah, more than you've so. ever known. <laughs> you don't think so? Be, I would be 99. Well, if it was yeah. 30 more years, I'd be 99. So. <laughs> yeah, well. It would definitely have to be sooner. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um <laughs> Yeah, a sequel. If you ever have a sequel, I was yeah. gonna say, be, you'd be welcome to come back on our show. Oh, thank you so much. It'd okay. be fun. It was good. Good time. Okay, well, you take care and have a great new year, Eileen. And thank you so much for the work that you do. Oh, you're so welcome and a pleasure, really, meeting you. Same here. So that is it for us tonight, people, and we will be back in two weeks. And until then, um, 
Remember to hold gratitude in your heart and give compassion instead of judgment. Good night, everyone. listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.